To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So, yeah, to be honest, this is not, I mean, it's a scripture that usually when it comes up, something has gone wrong, right? Uh, I'll find myself in between two family members mad at each other, two brothers, brother and sister in church mad at each other, or, you know, people at work mad at each other. Who, who knows? And it's not really a fun scripture to recommend to people. <laughs> and it's not a fun scripture to hear uh, or to be recommended when you've been wrong. Uh, it's, I think it's a scripture that most people are probably tired of hearing, especially when you've been wrong, right? And probably because we have to do it 70 times 70 times. Uh, but yeah, it, do, it doesn't help that society is pushing this whole... I mean, vengeance is really, really big in society, right? Like this movie. We all know what he's saying on the phone, right? We all know what he's saying on the phone. It's vengeance, right? Do We all we all know what he's saying in this scene. Right? I will have my vengeance. It's a great movie, but it's about vengeance. It's promoting getting revenge. Uh, this movie, same thing. Same thing. Uh, I haven't seen it, but my wife tells me that it's uh, it's about revenge, too. And then this, this is one of my favorite James Brown songs, Payback. Y'all know that song? Good, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Charlie and I were talking about that. We love uh, James Brown. But yeah, like we live in a world that demands... Justice, justice and revenge when we are wrong, no matter what. Um, and so if we're talking about being a good neighbor and we're honest about this scripture, this scripture doesn't really come up with like our next door neighbor, right? The person who's most likely to slap you across the face, the person who's most likely to curse at you, the person who's most likely to steal your coat, it's probably the people closest to you. Right? And so in order to be a good neighbor, we need to focus on being a good neighbor to the person closest to you. Maybe it's not next door. Maybe it's indoor. Right? Maybe it's indoor at church. Maybe it's indoor at school. Maybe it's indoor at your home. And that can be the way that we can be just a good neighbor. Psalm 41, verse 9. Uh, David, he says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Right? And then that sounds awfully familiar with what Jesus said at the table, who is going to betray me? He said, someone who shares my bread, Judas. You know, sometimes it'll be our friends at school. I can think about times when I was at school and someone would say something about me and everyone would laugh. And I'd be like, well, not their friend anymore. Or I got to get them back, right? Or someone would steal something out of your locker at school. Or someone would post something on social media and it'll embarrass you. It'll be something wrong about you on social media. Uh, or in a, with a roommate situation, right? If you have a roommate who never cleans up, a roommate who eats your food. I'm not talking about you, Micah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I ate more of Micah's food than anybody. Um, or you have a rude roommate, so you shut off, and you, you're like, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I don't want anything to do with them, right? Or let's say in church, right? 
you go to church and there's always that one person who's on your case or something, or your your disciple or there, you don't like what they said to you, so you, you clam up and say, oh, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Or you go on a date with someone from church and it's just not good, and so you just avoid them forever, right? Or maybe sometimes the church will do something nice for them, they'll never say thank you, or you'll give someone advice, they'll do the opposite. With our families, those are usually the hardest ones. You know, maybe your dad never listens to you, or you feel like you'll never be good enough for your mom, or your sister is a bully, or your brother is a liar, you have child support, custody battles, in-laws are crazy, or your spouse's in-laws are crazy, <laughs> or, you know, you got cousins who, they're all, their mother mother was just like that, so that's why they're crazy, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's not hard to come up with these ways that people have wronged us and people have hurt us, and it's usually the people closest to us. And so, if we want to be good neighbors, we got to start with being a good neighbor to those closest to us, forgiving those closest to us. We want to make sure that our house looks like Jesus if we want to invite people into it. And that's because otherwise they're not seeing anything else different. Right? We want to look different from the world. Let's look at Romans 2, 19. This is kind of a, it's rough. He says, you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God? You are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but why do you? But do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. That last line always gets me. The Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because most of the time when you hear people, you know, mocking God out in culture or society or whatever, it's, they're usually not mocking God because something God did to them. It's usually something that they saw in a Christian, right? That's why they mock God. It's because they didn't see Christ inside of Christians. It's honestly very, very sad. So we're talking about next door. What does your house look like? Your friendships, your brother-sister relationships, what do those look like? Are you resolving conflict in the same way that non-Christians resolve conflict, or is it different? Because after you understand the gospel and after you've really digested the cross, you should you should be a forgiving machine. All Christians should be forgiving machines, right? But do we still get back at people? Are we still harsh? Are we still you know mad at people for something they did years ago? We got to ask ourselves that and really, really address it. Uh, if we want our house to be a place. This seems hospitable. If you want our church to grow, if you want our friendship to be desired from people, then we have to get rid of a heart full of grudges and vengeance. It's not going to be a place that people want to go. Uh, I'm not saying, I don't think this church is like that, but situations will come up. Right? It's just human nature. And they have come up, and we just have to deal with them. Uh, let's look at Judges 15. And this is something that we went over at uh, Singles Bible Talk. Every Monday at Stove House, or every other Monday at Stove House. Judges 15, and I'm just going to skim through it because it's kind of long. But it's the story of Samson, and Samson is really, really, really good at getting revenge on people. Uh, 
remarkable. Judges chapter 15. Like I said, we're just going to skim through this. So basically, the backstory of such as cool. backstory of this, Samson, he's a young guy, probably 20, maybe even like 18, 17. And uh, he goes to another town. He sees a Philistine woman. He's uh, from the tribe of Dan. Uh, so Dan. Uh, so he sees a Philistine woman. He falls in love. He wants to marry her. He says, hey, parents, can I marry her? They say, no. He says, how about I do? And they said, okay, fine. And so he goes, and during this wedding banquet, he he makes like a, with his in-laws, he makes like a, a deal. He says, hey, if you can solve this riddle, then I owe you 30 pairs of clothes. If you can't solve it, then you owe me 30 pairs of clothes. And so basically his in-laws, they do some uh, shysty stuff. I don't know what shysty means. Shysty. Yeah, they do some shysty stuff. To figure out the answer, he gets mad, and he goes and he he loses the bet. They trick his wife. He has to go and pay them 30 pairs of clothes, but he kills 30 people to get the clothes. Um, so, yeah, marriage didn't really go too well in the first, first week. But this is later on, right? So he later on, he storms away. He goes back home, and now he's coming back because he, he wants to be with his wife. So it says later on. At the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was, so, I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes excuse me, and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every tail every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked who did this, they were told Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> so we see, if we just kind of scan through, right? Uh, and so his wife is giving this home, and then what does he do? He burns down the food supply, the whole entire. We always focus on like the, uh, how did he catch 30 foxes? But do we, <laughs> we think about he he burned down all of their food, and this was that was how they lived back then. They couldn't go to Walmart, they couldn't go to Publix, so they were probably very mad. And then, what did they do in return? They burned his wife and his father-in-law. Uh, we're going to just scan through the next ones, but it gets worse, right? So verse 8, what, is, what does Samson do afterwards? Verse 8, he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. So he kills people. He kills even more people. And then after he kills even more people, verse 9, it says the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. Now, this is spread out into another city that has nothing to do with the whole dispute in uh, Timnah. And then, after that, verse 15, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. So, a thousand people died, two cities are destroyed, because this guy had a dispute with his in-laws. That is what happens when we take, <laughs> hopefully not, but it, that's what happens when we take vengeance. It becomes a cycle and when you want vengeance, you don't 
equal it. You always want to top what the person did to you. So that's why they, he just kept topping and topping and topping. But the fact the fact is, when we show mercy, the violence can end with us, and that's why Jesus tells us this. So now I want to go into a few reactions that we could have when people wrong us. Uh, so can we go to Ephesians 4:31? Write it down. I'm looking at it, the scripture. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So, I'm just going to go through all these. Bitterness. Bitterness is a settled hatred. So it's, you get angry at a moment, and then it just settles into just consistent hatred for somebody. Uh, I think it's interesting. God... God always, in the Bible, God gets angry, but he's never bitter in the Bible. Right? He's always angry with humans, but he doesn't, he doesn't wish for the death of a sinner. He says that in the Bible. And, uh, yeah, bitterness is, is a sin. When you're upset, the other night, uh, Ariel got this drink. She, she got a drink. It was like a blue raspberry flavor. I didn't tell her that it tastes bad. She tasted it, and she went, mm. she did that for like 30 seconds. And uh, that's that's bitterness. Is there people? Is there people in your life who, when you think about them, you go, mm, you make that face like you just had something bitter? That's that's bitter. That's a sign that you might have bitterness. Next one on the list is rage. Rage. The Greek word for that is tumults, white heat. It's like losing your temper. Anger. Uh, anger is more of like a disposition, right? Anger is a settled condition. You walk, you, it's a mood, right? You walk around angry. Um, you go through the world with a sour attitude, like a sour, that's how you view everything. You're just mad at everything. Or you mad at everyone who reminds you of the person who hurts you. And you just see everything through that lens of anger. Uh, brawling, I can't pronounce the Greek word, but it's just shouting, clamor, shouting, yelling, screaming, hollering, fussing. And then slander, the Greek word for slander. Does anyone know it? It's kind of cool. Don't look in the app. Well, you can't look at it. Is anyone <laughs> it's pretty cool. The, the Greek word for slander is blasphemia. So I was like, dang, I guess you can blaspheme another person. You, we can blaspheme people other than God. Uh, you can blaspheme a person by tearing down their good name. So anything you say that tears down someone's good name is slander. So he finishes the scripture by saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgive you. But these are some reactions. I'm going to go over some other reactions. I feel like when we are wrong, we either have the tendency to blow up or to clam up. Uh, you're either a porcupine or you're a clam. And neither one of those is probably fun to have house church with. Uh, so porcupine, right? Porcupine is, you're going to get hurt immediately if you mess with a porcupine person. Someone who blows up, right? And they probably, you know, kind of get really defensive really quickly, really impulsive. And they're like, oh, hey, it's not my fault. You you tried me first. That's why I put 500 barbs inside of me. Uh, you know, porcupine, you probably find yourself apologizing for a lot of impulsive reactions. It's a porcupine. And so here's a scripture that will make, if you have a porcupine personality when people wrong you, say that five times fast, a porcupine personality when people wrong you. Um, Here's a scripture that will make you feel bad. It says, fools, 
show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. I think as, okay, so as adults, we should just have the mindset that it's, you look silly when you're going after revenge, right? But also as Christians, especially, we should have the mindset, you look like a fool. You look stupid when you're going after revenge, when you're blowing up, when you're going back and forth. If you're, someone slaps you and you're slapping them back and you're fighting and hollering and screaming, it looks dumb. It looks dumb, just simple as that. And so it says, overlook, the prudent overlook an insult. When I think about overlooking an insult, I think about like if a kid, like a little kid like that tall, is like punching your leg because they're mad at you, you can overlook the insult, right? You, you overlook because you're mature, right? And you're, you're more mature than them, you're taller than them. But how silly would you look if you got down on your knees and you started you know, boxing with a little kid because they were beating up your leg. That's what it looks like, you know, when you, you show your annoyance at once and you're boxing with someone, you're going down to their level. And you just look like a fool. The next one is clamming up. This is me. Clam up. Um, and so we can think, uh, I'm a clam. Like, I, I just bottle it all up inside. I, did, I didn't make a scene. I didn't fight. I didn't scream. I didn't say any choice words. So I'm probably a little better than the porcupines, right? But you're not. You're not. Uh, it's funny, looking for, I was looking for pictures of clams. That's what I do on my Saturday night. I look for the pictures of clams for my summer. But uh, all the pictures were of clams open. It's like, no, dude, I'm a clam. I'm shut. I'm shut. If someone hurts me, boom, I'm closed. You can create a pearl with how much pressure I'm, I'm shut, you know? And uh, clams, you know, we don't really find ourselves apologizing because we think because our sin is hidden, we, we don't have, it's not really sin. But really, you're just hiding your hatred. You're just hiding your hatred. Here's a scripture to make a clam feel bad. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. So clams look like fools, too. But if you're a clam, if you clam up when someone hurts you, you're also a liar. See that? You're concealing your hatred with lying lips. Um, and one thing about clams, you might not blow up in the at the moment, but later on, you'll probably end up slandering the person who hurts you. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, anger anger is something that it tears you up if you bottle it up. It tears people up if you release it on them. Uh, honestly, just forgiveness is pretty hard. Um, I didn't have to tell you that, but you didn't know it. I have a clip from Avatar. We have one person happy to see the clip. Hopefully by the end, everyone's happy they saw the clip. Hopefully the... I need to borrow Appa. Why? Is it your turn to take a little field trip with Zuko? Yes, it is. Oh, what's going on? We're going to find the man who took my mother from me. Sokka told me the story of what happened. I know who did it, and I know how to find him. Um, and what exactly do you think this will accomplish? <sighs> I knew you wouldn't understand. Wait, stop! I do understand! You're feeling unbelievable pain rage. How do you think I felt about the Sandenders when they saw Appa? How do you think I felt about the Fire Nation when I found out what happened to my people? She needs us, Aang. This is about getting closure and justice. I don't think so. I think it's about getting revenge. Fine. 
Maybe it is. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe that's what he deserves. Katara, you sound like Jet. It's not the same. Jet attacked the innocent. This man, he's a monster. Katara, she was my mother too. But I think Aang might be right. Then you didn't love her the way I did. Katara! The monks used to say that revenge is like a two-headed rat viper. While you watch your enemy go down, you're being poisoned yourself. That's cute, but this is an air temple preschool. It's the real world. Now that I know he's out there, now that I know we can find him, I feel like I have no choice. Katara, you do have a choice. Forgiveness. That's the same as doing nothing. No, it's not. It's easy to do nothing. But it's hard to forgive. It's not just hard. It's impossible. Okay, because I forgive you. That give you any ideas? Don't try to stop us. I wasn't planning to. This is a dream you need to take. You need to face this man. But when you do, please don't choose revenge. Let your anger out, and then let it go. Forgive him. Okay, we'll be sure to do that, Guru Goody Goody. Thanks for understanding, man. Yep, yep. You know, you're pretty wise for a kid. Thanks, Sokka. Usually it's annoying, but right now I'm just impressed. I appreciate that. So, can I borrow a moment? But yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not fun to recommend forgiveness. It's not fun to be recommended forgiveness. We probably have been in situations like that. Like, well, you don't understand. I can't forgive them. They don't have to understand. But forgiveness is super hard. It's super hard, honestly. And you'll think sometimes you'll think you forgave someone, and then they come back up in a conversation and you get mad and you realize maybe I didn't forgive. Right? Or they're in the same room and you're maybe I didn't forgive them. Maybe I'm still hurting. So what did Aang say? He said, let let your anger out and then let it go. Thing is with Christians, we need to be careful where we let our anger out. Because right? we can think, oh, I'm going to let my anger out with this, uh, I don't know, by punching this wall. <laughs> or I'm going to let my anger out by talking to someone who knows the person. Maybe we should just let our anger out in prayer. That's what Psalm uh, David used to do. And God would like for us to probably let our anger out in prayer, other than in slander and bitterness and rage. So let's uh, think. Uh, there we go. Okay, cool. So we know we need to forgive. Um, but how in the world do we forgive? So this isn't exhaustive, right? Forgiveness is not going to be, you're not going to be able to forgive with just three easy points. I, I'd be lying if I told you it was that easy. But these might help, right? And number one thing, especially as a Christian, is remember the cross. You know, remember that all have sinned and fallen short. And that Jesus died for the person who virtue sins for your sins, right? That while you were a sinner, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin so that you could become righteous. Amen. When we really, really grasp onto that, we really think about that, it helps us forgive someone else. Because we know that we sinned against Christ. Yeah. Or uh, Isaiah 53, that always gets me. 
pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus, and by his wounds we are healed. Right? So he's he's wounded so that I can be healed. So when I'm feeling wounded, I can give that to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this hurts. This person did this to me. I, I really hate them right now. I really I feel like I hate them. Please help me. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm asking Jesus for that help. Uh, here's a quote from Bonhoeffer. It says, uh, In the face of the cross, the disciples realized that they too were Jesus' enemies, and that he had overcome them by his love. It is this that opens the disciples' eyes and enables him to see his enemy as a brother. Number two, you separate the sin from the person. We've heard the, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. Here's another cool quote. This is from Martin Luther King. It says, he had six principles of nonviolence, and this is the third principle. Nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice, not people. So if someone does you an injustice, if, and you get angry at the injustice, that's natural, because you're a human being, you're made in the image of God. You, if you're not angry at injustice, you're probably not a good person, actually. So, but we, we need to make sure that we're getting angry at the injustice and not the person. Because we've done injustices too. Uh, I see this this picture of uh, the sit-ins. I'm thought I remind I'm reminded of these, you know, where they <laughs> I'm sure they went home thinking, what did I just do? On both sides, on both sides, they were uh, they were trying to protest the segregated lunch counter, basically. So they would sit there. Them. And so, yeah, the people who harassed them were probably thinking afterwards, what did I just do? I just poured salt and pepper on a 17-year-old girl. And then the 17-year-old girl was like, what did I just do, man? I, I just got salt and pepper poured on me for just sitting there. But they had to remember they're fighting injustice. They're not fighting against the people. Also, this picture helps with the third point. And the third point is be ready to do it again. This wasn't the only sit-in that happened in the, uh, in the 60s and 50s. I was reading about um, Nelson Mandela's autobiography yesterday, and I'm at, the book is so long, it's like 700 pages. Now I'm, I'm at 1958 right now, and he, this is maybe like the 12th protest that he's uh, organized, and it's about thousands of women go on strike in South Africa. And it was a failed strike. Right? They just arrested all of them. They sent him back. He had to represent all of them in court. And he was feeling just, man, why, why did we do that? Uh, like a failure. And that's, that was 1958. He went to jail in 1962 for 27 years. And apartheid wasn't ended until the 90s. So you have to be ready to do it over and over again. Forgive over and over and over and over. You're sitting in, when you're turning the other cheek, you're going to feel like these kids at the sitting. You have to be ready to do it over and over and over. Lastly, the practicals for this lesson. Y'all ready for practicals? Y'all ready to go home? Practicals are pretty easy because they come from the, the scripture. So Luke 6 says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. But I don't want us to read this as like, a, okay, this is a cool scripture to think about from time to time. 
This is a scripture. I want you to do it like this week. I want you to do it the next time someone curses at you, bless them. And just, just see what happens. Next time someone mistreats you, pray for them. Pray like really good things for them. Pray that, oh man, I pray that they have a breakthrough in their life. I pray that their marriage will, will have to have a great month of marriage right now. I pray that, oh, their business will start booming. Bless them. Right? If someone slaps you on the other cheek, literally turn the other cheek and see what happens. These, these kids right here had to do it. If someone asks you something, just give it to them. If someone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Uh, I've told this story a bazillion times, but this this is where I found a perspective on this. Was uh, when I was in high school, uh, this kid I was in the gym working out, and this kid he was an upperclassman. I think I was a sophomore. He's a senior, and he took a jump rope and he was like pretending to whip me like a slave. Saying certain things, very, very rude. It hurt me a lot, um, and everyone was kind of laughing. I was like, I was a minority, and uh, I remember I was just like, I can't fight this guy right now because I'm sore, and also he's an upperclassman, and also I'm the only black kid in this whole gym. What am I gonna do? And I, I just kind of clammed up, clammed up, and uh, I went home and I told my mom, and she told me, Nathan, just pray for. Me. Bless those who curse you. And I was, what are you talking about, Mom? What in the world? And uh, so I did. I was like, fine. And the first few prayers I prayed were kind of like, just because I had to. Like, oh, God, just bless the kid. Super racist to me at school. And then the next day I could pray a little more, and I would elaborate. God, please help him have good friendships. I pray that you bless it. I pray that you make have, let him have a good day. Let him be happy. Let him have joy, let him have a good time with his family. And then I kept praying, and I kept praying, and I kept praying. And this, I hadn't talked to the guy for like months. And then the next time I talked to him, he was like really nice. And we ended up being friends later on. And he was like, he would like do things for me. He would be like, hey, Nathan, you need a, you need a ride? Or you need, you know, you need help with this? You need some, uh, you want to go to lunch? And uh, yeah, this is, this, this scripture isn't, it's not like, too much theological thinking that has to go on to put this into practice. Just just do it and see what happens. Right? So if we want to create a good environment, right, a good friendship environment, a good church environment, a good home environment that people next door want to come to, then we have to do this indoors. Right? We need to forgive people. We need to be kind and compassionate. Right? No one wants to go and hang out with a bunch of porcupines. No one wants to go and hang out with a bunch of clams who are upset at their in-laws, what they did 10 years ago. Uh, we got to be compassionate, forgive, generous. And that starts with the people closest to you. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for your example. If it wasn't for your example, um, I wouldn't be able to talk about forgiveness. Uh, if it wasn't for your son dying for, for me and forgiving me, my mishaps and my sins, I wouldn't be able to stand here. God, I pray that you can soften our hearts. I pray that we can think about the things that people may have done, people closest to us may have done, um, and sure, maybe the people next door may have done, that we need to forgive. God, I pray that we can think about it as if you're standing right there. And, uh, yeah, I also pray that we can see the fruit of forgiveness, that we don't feel like it's all in vain, God 
sure that the kids at the sit-in tables probably thought it was all in vain. But I pray that we can see the fruit of it and see that this is the better way to live. Um, so, God, I just thank you for this beautiful day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Give it up. We're not done. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Literally the pinnacle, like the primary pinnacle of our faith is forgiveness, right? So thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much. I especially appreciate that reference from Avatar Last Airbender, one of the greatest animated series of all time. (laughs) But no. Seriously, thank you for just helping us remember that. And just thank you. I really appreciate the clam up versus the porcupine. Because I'm like you. I clam up. I shut up. But it's God wants us to be open. Flesh people. But it's like we can still be open with God, but still be strong in our faith. And be like, it takes courage to do that. So thank you so much for that. Just that right to bed. So we're going to stand up. Because in forgiveness, we can forgive others. God forgives us. And we have a home in Zion, in heaven. We are valiant warriors in forgiving. So we're going to say, 459, we are marching design. Come we that love the Lord and and We're marching on to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion. A beautiful city of God. Let those who refuse to sing and never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King. But children of the heavenly King. They speak their joys abroad, they speak their joys abroad. We're marching on to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hills of Zion yield a thousand sacred sweet. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets, we're marching on to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound in every tear we die. We're marching over Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. To fairer worlds on high. To fairer worlds on high. We're marching on to Zion. Keep the beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Amen, amen. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you uh, so much for allowing us to come together and worship you this morning. I pray, God, that it was uh, pleasing to your ears, Father. I pray that yeah. it was just a sweeter run. Uh, thank you for the singers. Thank you for Nathan and his uh, amazing message and speaking through him, Father. I pray that um, you know each and every one of us, we can uh, really learn to put our egos aside, yeah. um, not take things personally, and be easy to forgive. Yes. Um, so your son's name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>